Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, welcome to Emmanuel. Thanks for tuning in today. I know that we have many people tuning in locally here, uh, close by in Indianapolis, and we also have people joining us throughout the country, and we want to welcome you, and we also have folks joining us from all across the world. So wherever you are, we want to welcome you here today. My name is Pastor Danny, and today I have a special message for you. The title of my message today is called Our Response is Our Story. You know, I want to jump right in and just address the obvious. We are living in some very strange times, unprecedented times. We are experiencing things in in our lifetime right now that we've never experienced before. We're being asked to do things we've, we've never been asked to do before, like not go to work. Who would have ever thought there'd be a situation where you'd be asked by our government leaders not to go to work? Or how about this, not to go to school. I remember as a middle school student and a high school student just praying for someone to shut down the school, and it never happened. And here we are where people are saying, hey, you're not allowed to go to school. Unprecedented times. I was looking at a list this last week of all of the events and social gatherings that have been canceled in the last few weeks. It's incredible. You're talking about things like the NBA, either canceled or postponed, the NBA, the NCAA, the Kentucky Derby, NASCAR, MLS, Major League Soccer, Major League Baseball. The list goes on and on. Disney World and Disneyland have been closed. But but I have heard, and there, this is a glimmer of hope, that WrestleMania is still planning to go forward. So if you're not a wrestling fan, this might be a good time to jump on board and become a WWE fan. Um, Maybe maybe not, maybe not. But anyway, (laughs) um, what an incredible time that we're living in right now. And you know, because things are so weird and so strange, right now is a time where many folks are struggling with anxiety and fear and concern about the future, about about their jobs, about how they're going to pay their bills. I know many people uh, actually know someone who is sick that's in the hospital or, or maybe showing symptoms. Just yesterday I found out that my own brother, who's a New York City firefighter, uh, was having trouble breathing and uh, was just really struggling with some of these symptoms. Heavy, heavy fatigue, so much so that he couldn't go to work. And I just found out today that he got tested. Everybody seems to know someone who is struggling with this disease. And it can be very, very scary. These are unprecedented times. And so I want to talk to you today about what I believe are four proper biblical responses to the situation that we're currently finding ourselves in. Because, because here's the, here's the deal. It's hard to know how to navigate through these times. I mean, what's the proper response? How do we react you know, with all kinds of questions swirling around, like how long is this going to last? And am I going to have my job? And how are we going to pay our bills? Or what's going to happen with school? So many questions, so many unanswered questions. 
So what I want to do for today is, is, is kind of give you four guidelines, four biblical responses that will help us to navigate through these uncertain waters that we find ourselves in. So I'm just going to jump in right now and give you this first one. If you want to take notes, grab a pen, write these down. The first proper biblical response is not to give in to fear. Don't give in to fear. You know, the number one command in the Bible, you would think it's love your neighbor or love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's a popular one. But neither one of those commands are the, are the most often or, or most frequent commands in the Bible. You want to know what the number one command in the Bible is? It appears 365 times in different forms and versions, but it's do not fear. Let me give you two quick examples. One is in Isaiah chapter 41. It says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. Watch this. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's like God saying, hey, in the current situation that you find yourself in, I don't want you to cave into fear because I'm with you. I'm the one that's holding you up. I will give you strength to meet the demands of whatever reality you're facing right now whether you're struggling to hold down your job or whether you have a sick relative or whatever the situation is that you find yourself in, God says, don't give in to fear. I'm with you. I will strengthen you. I will give you the courage and the protection that you need to get through these these uncertain times. I'll give you another example. Psalm 23, verse 4, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What God is communicating to us through these two passages and many, many others in the Bible just like this is that the source that drives out the fear in our life is God himself. God says, I'm with you. I'm right there beside you. Remember who I am. Remember that I'm the God who created the heavens and the earth. Remember that I'm the God who raises the dead. Remember I'm the God who who touches the leper or heals the blind person. Remember who I am. And when you remember who I am and what I can do and what I'm capable of, it will drive the fear out of your heart. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament is from Matthew chapter 8. Jesus is in a boat with his disciples and All of a sudden, this crazy storm comes out of nowhere on the Sea of Galilee. And it's so tumultuous that waves are coming in the boat. And Jesus' disciples, they become afraid and they they, they start to panic. And then Jesus is asleep in the boat. So they go over to him and they wake him up and they say, Jesus, wake up, wake up. Don't you see that we're going to drown? Jesus wakes up and I want you to hear what he has to say. Jesus says, why are you afraid? You of little faith. You have so little faith. Jesus is saying, hey, guys, why are you caving into fear? It's almost as if he's saying, don't you know who I am? Don't you know who's with you on the boat? And then to show them who was on the boat with them, watch what he does. Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. You know, when we realize who is on the boat with us, who is with us in this tumultuous time, this time where this coronavirus is is wreaking havoc on the world, it's Jesus. And when we realize that, a great calm can settle into our hearts when we remember 
who is with us. He's the God who can speak to wind and to waves and can talk to a storm and the storm says, yes, sir, and it calms down. The disciples witnessed this and watched their response. The disciples, that they were amazed. Here's what they say. Who is this man? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Oh, <laughs> Would you just take a few moments, maybe this week, sometime, and just kind of meditate on this little story and say, who is, who is with me? He's the God who goes into the valley of the shadow of death with you. And he protects you. And he gives you the strength that you need. He's the God who, who holds you with his righteous right hand. And he says, it's going to be okay. And when you remember who he is, it will drive the fear out of your life. Proper biblical response number one to this whole scenario that we've never been through before as a world, as a human race, is not to give in to fear. Let me talk about the second biblical response, and that's to do your part. If you're a note taker, write that down. Just do your part. What does that mean? Well, all over the world, governments are asking their people to practice this shelter-in-place principle, this self-quarantine. They're asking people to wash their hands regularly. They're asking them to disinfect frequently touched places. They're asking them to practice social distancing, and there's a reason for that. All of the information that's coming from the experts are telling us that's how we can prevent the spread of this disease. Our own government in the United States, and I know there's some of you are watching from different countries, but in the United States, our government has asked us to practice shelter in place and social distancing and to be really careful not to spread the disease and to only leave our homes for something that is essential. You know what our part is? Our part is just to do what they say. Just to, to obey our leaders, to obey our government. In Romans chapter 13, the Apostle Paul penned these words, powerful words. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those in position of authority have been placed there by God. Therefore, watch this. So anyone who rebels against the authority just says, no, I'm not going to do what they ask. I'm not going to follow their, their recommendations or their leadership. Is actually rebelling not against God, who, who, but rather against, not against the man, but against God who instituted it. And they will be punished. See, we're not, we're not rebelling against man. We're actually rebelling against the God who put those leaders in place over us. Our part is to follow what they have to say. There's only two exceptions to this rule when we should not follow the government. And that's if our government is asking us to sin or to not do the good that we know God is asking us to do. And that is not happening in this situation. They're, asking, they're actually asking you and I to do something that will benefit our entire community. So what do we do? We just say, okay, I'm going to practice shelter in place. I'm going to do social distance. I'm going to keep my hands clean. I'm going to, you know, cover my mouth when I sneeze or cough. I'm going to do what they're asking. Guess what? The countries that we've seen so far that have done this from the very beginning, they're actually seeing that curve level out and start to go down. That can be us if we all do our part. Second biblical response to this situation is just, just do what your leaders are asking you to do. Number three, number three, third biblical response to this current situation 
is to think of others. Is to think of others. You know, we Christ followers, those of us who are Christ followers, we say that it is the goal of our life to be like Christ, to follow in his footsteps, to be transformed into the image of Christ. Recently, I came across a wonderful definition of spiritual growth by Dr. Robert Mulholland Jr. He said this, spiritual growth is the process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. How interesting. Jesus, when you really look at him in the New Testament and you follow what he said and what he did, what you discover is that he was a person who was totally and completely dedicated to serving others. He said one time about himself, he said, the son of man didn't come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And, that, and that's exactly what he did. He laid down his life for the sins of humanity, so that we can have fellowship with God, so that we can be forgiven of our sins. Jesus said it like this one time, there's no greater love than for a person to lay down his life for his friends, and he did it. He didn't come to be served, he came to serve. And that's our Savior. And so what does it look like for us in this time, you know, this period, this window of time, it looks like we're going to be people who are thinking of others, And that's not natural even for Christ followers. You want to know what's natural? What's natural is for us to think about ourselves. Oh my gosh, i got to protect myself. And that's why we're seeing people go to the grocery store and and buy up all the toilet paper. We're seeing people go to the grocery store and they buy up all the meat. They fill their whole cart with meat because they're thinking about themselves and their own family. We're seeing people buy up all the hand sanitizer because they're only thinking about themselves and not their fellow neighbor. Now is not the time for such selfishness. Now is the time to be thinking of others. As a friend of mine said recently, now is the time to be putting others before ourselves. The Apostle Paul had to teach us this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Listen to what he said. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of, and if you were here, you know this. Normally I would have you repeat after me. Maybe you could do it in your place together. Others, others. Jesus was others-focused. What does that look like for us, practically speaking? Well, it looks like, first, first, and, uh, first of all, is to do our part. We just talked about that. To practice social distancing, to practice shelter in place, to only go out if it's essential, to cover our nose and our mouth. That's part of it. We're thinking about others when we do that. But it goes beyond that. Thinking of others means you're, you're connecting with the people in your life. You're connecting with your small group through face, uh, FaceTime or Zoom calls or, or some other platform where you can actually talk to your small group or talk to your, your friends in your life and you're reaching out to them and you're making sure that they're doing okay. Maybe it's time for you and I to use this as a phone and actually call somebody because we know that when you text somebody, it's okay, but you don't see facial expressions, you don't hear tone of voice, you don't, see, you don't hear concern when you see a text, but when you call somebody and say, hey, I just want you to know I was thinking about you. Are you doing all right? Wow. Reach out. That's what it looks like to think of others. Just yesterday, just yesterday, my small group met together. We did over FaceTime. We had a wonderful hour and a half call where we sat there and we just talked about what was going on in our lives, what was going on in each one of each person's business and, and how they were handling all the stress. And, and it was a wonderful, edifying, uplifting phone call. We just used FaceTime. Now is a time for you to reach out. There are, listen, there are single people right now. They're not married. They don't have boyfriends. They don't have girlfriends. And they're by themselves. Maybe you're one of them. 
wouldn't it be awesome to get a phone call? Wouldn't it be awesome if somebody FaceTimed you? Listen, if you are married, if you have people in your home, reach out to a, a, a single person and ask them how they're doing and let them know that they're loved and let them know that you care about them. What does it look like to think of others? You reach out. How, what else does it look like? It looks like you continue your generosity. Now is not the time to, to hoard and hold back and keep everything for yourself. There is massive need out there in our world today. I'm going to challenge you to continue your generosity, not just to the church, but overall. Be a giver during this time. Be known as a giver during this particular time in history. At Emmanuel, we're deciding to think of others. We're deciding to, I was on a call just recently with a, a group of about 15 pastors, 15 local church pastors all over the Indianapolis area. They just wanted to get together and chat and talk about how things are going in each other's churches and what we're doing to try to help people. And at the end of the call, it was a wonderful call. And it was so nice to be able to connect with all the local pastors. At the end of the phone call, one of the pastors mentioned that they found these masks in China that, that, that we can bring over into America and, and give out to our healthcare workers because right now that's one of the biggest needs that, that our hospitals or our, our, our medical uh, people are telling us they need is these masks. And so he told us that they ordered 25,000 of these masks between two different churches. And, I, and everybody on the call got excited and they were like, wow, if that's the biggest need or one of the biggest needs, we want to help too. So within seven hours, this is incredible, within seven hours of that call, all of the local churches got together and we purchased 200,000 of these masks. They're going to start coming in next week. And when they come in, they're going to go to the areas or the hospitals that have the greatest need. Emmanuel went in, you went in for 10,000 masks. We're trying to think of others. Now is the time to be generous. Now's not the time to hoard. Now's the time to give and to try to meet needs in our community and to be Christ to people who need Christ. What does it look like to think of others? It means you're gonna continue your generosity. If you haven't transferred your generosity to online giving, you can do so simply by texting the word give to 65248. You'll get a link to your cell phone. You can follow that prompt. You can set up a reoccurring gift there and you can trust that your church is gonna try to look for opportunities to bless the world in this time of need. What else does it look like to think of others? It looks like you're going to spend time, extra time praying for the, for the workers on the front line, the hospital workers, for the people who are pulling double time, extra time, all the essential workers. You're going to spend time praying for people who are sick, for families at home. They're, they're cooped up with their children and they're trying to work from home. They're also trying to raise their kids and keep their kids educated and and. That's impossible. <laughs> and, and we just need to be praying for, for as many people as we possibly can. On Friday nights, I don't know if you've heard about this not, uh, or not, but we're gathering on Facebook to have some prayer time as a church just for all the, all the people that are, that are struggling right now and the pre people that need support and prayer. You can join us on Friday nights for that prayer time. What else does it look like to think about others? Well, it looks like be open to having spiritual conversations. Now is a time where people are, are more open to what God has to say. In the time where, where things are being shifted and moved and there's transition and there's concern and there's worry and, and there's worry about money and bills and there's worry about, you know, how long is this thing going to last? People are more open to talk about spiritual things. Be open to that. This is amazing. In the last two weeks that we've been broadcasting, we have seen 51 people 
trust in Christ. We've given out 51 saved boxes. That's incredible in two weeks. Why is that? It's because people are looking for hope. They're looking for answers. And they're open to this reality of who God is and what Jesus Christ has done for them. Be open to those conversations. I don't know about your neighborhood, but in my neighborhood, people are outside more than ever. (laughs) They're on their back porches. They're taking walks. They're walking the door. People are everywhere, right? And right now, they're allowed to be outside taking walks as long as they're not, you know, within six feet of each other. I think I heard a lady walk, ran by the other day, and she had an alarm go off when she got too close to me. Anyway, might not have been, the, might have been a different alarm. But anyway, just, just people are out. Talk to your neighbors. Be open to spiritual conversations. Invite them to watch this broadcast next week. You never know. They just might find Christ during this time. So we've talked about three proper biblical responses. Number one, do not give in to fear. Number two, do your part. Number three, Number three, think of others. Let's talk about this fourth one. Number four, maybe the most powerful one. Maximize this time. Maximize the time. You know, I'm not sure if your life is like mine, but we've got three teenagers and it's a busy life. They're involved in extracurricular activities and our family is, at least it seems, we're always on the go a practice, a game, a this, a that. Oh, it's just constantly go, 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 go. Maybe your family is a little bit like that. And a lot of times we find ourselves complaining about, wow, I wish I had more time to have dinner with my family. I wish I had more time to you know, sit down and have conversations with my spouse. I wish I had more time to connect with my son. But they're always moving, they're always going. Guess what? Now we have the time. Things for most of us have come to a screeching halt and we're in our homes. What if this time were a gift from God? What if, what, if it's, what if it's some space for you to finally work on those things that you have been putting off, you have been procrastinating about? You know you need to deal with it. You know you need to repair it. You know you need to fix it. What if this moment in history is a gift to you to work on it, to fix it, to repair it, to heal it? Recently, I came across a post. Uh, by Somebody wrote it uh, for the, from the Boston Globe. It was about the, the bubonic plague in 1664 that broke out in London. And initially it started out, just a few people died, but over 18 months, 100,000 people died in London. Like a quarter of the population. And things got shut down, just like they're being shut down today. Schools, colleges, one of those colleges that got shot down was Cambridge University. And one of the students at Cambridge University at that particular time was 23 years old, And he went into self-quarantine at his parents' cottage. And when he went into that self-quarantine, he determined, he said said to himself, I'm going to think, I'm going to write, and I'm going to solve problems. That's what I'm going to do with my time. And so the first problem he wanted to figure out was, 
why when light came through the window and, and hit a piece of glass, you could see a rainbow? Like, what's that all about? Like, some people thought that the, the, the glass would bring out, you know, different light. They didn't know why that was happening. And so he decided he was going to figure it out. So for a couple of months, he just thought about it, thought about it, analyzed it, looked at it, analyzed it, studied it. He came to discover that what happens is that glass actually twists the light and and it reveals the colors of a rainbow that are actually in the white light itself. It was an amazing discovery and all of our modern optics now rests upon that discovery. Pretty cool. But he wasn't done there. He decided he wanted to figure out this other thing called movement and motion and why some things, like when you shoot a cannonball, it suddenly starts to slow down and drop to the ground. And and why does that happen? And so he started to study these different things of motion. And he realized that, you know, an object in motion stays in motion unless there's some other outside force that stops it. And, and there really wasn't any math to kind of support what he was looking at. And so he... he he kind of made up this new math and, uh, you know, figured out why objects move and why objects stop. Later on, it would, it would be called calculus. He didn't stop there. He thought he wanted to solve another problem. He, out, he was out one day and he, he saw a, a, an apple fall to the ground. And he's, you know, he always wanted to figure out why things fall. And, 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 and it's an interesting idea. And he, he thought to himself, you know, if that tree was, was as high as the sky, the apple would probably still fall. But, but, but somehow the moon doesn't fall, you know. I mean, at what point do things stop being pulled in? And so he studied it and studied it and made all these calculations and months and months of things and studying and he discovered gravity and gravity this the same force that that pulled the apple to the ground was the same force that kept the moon and the stars and and the planets in orbit little discovery called gravity later on he would publish some of these writings it took him 20 years to do so many scientists said they were the greatest scientific syntheses ever made or some that have ever been made now, who is that person? Well, it's none other than Sir Isaac Newton. All three of those discoveries were made during a time of self-quarantine. I don't know about you, but that is so inspiring to me. I'm not asking you to make some type of scientific discovery that's going to change the world. Maybe you will. But if he can do those three things, if he can, what, what can we do with this time? What could we work on? What could we figure out? Even if it's just in our own life. Maybe it's the problem with anger you have. It's destroying your life. Maybe this window of time is the space for you to study and read and pray and and talk to some folks over Zoom about your anger. Or maybe it's alcoholism and it's been kicking your tail and it's ruining your life and it's ruined your marriage and you're about to lose your job or some other addiction. Maybe this window of time is the space God's given you to figure that out and to work on it. Maybe it's as simple as this, just repairing your relationship with your daughter or your son. It's like God has given you a window and, and all of their activities have stopped and now you have this space where you can talk to her. You can talk to him. Will you maximize the time and repair their relationship? For some of you, it's your marriage. It's been on the rocks and you haven't had time to focus on it. And all of a sudden, now there's this window, this this space. 
Why not step into that and say, hey, let's repair this. Let's work on this. Let's learn how to communicate. Let's learn how to listen to each other. Let's learn how to respect one another and serve one another and prefer one another. What if you just worked on that during this time? Maybe this time, maybe this this window is a gift. Here's what I want to encourage you not to do as your pastor. This comes from deep down inside. Do not waste this time. Do not binge on Netflix. Do not dive into some video game hole and not come out for, for, for t- three weeks. Do not give in to your vices. Food. Do not come out of this period 15 pounds heavier because all you did was indulge in food and drown your sorrow. Do not indulge in alcohol. Do not indulge in pornography. Do not, do not waste this time. Don't be sucked into that black hole. Say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out of this thing. I'm going to maximize this time. I'm going to come out better. I'm going to solve some issues. I'm going to figure out some things. Maybe you learn a language. Maybe you take a class. Right now, online courses are really cheap. You can, pick, you can take a class on almost anything. Maximize the time. Think of others. Do your part. And do not fear. Is there more to say about this? Are there more ideas to give you to navigate this uncertain, unprecedented time? Absolutely. And over the next few weeks, we might talk about some of those. I just wanted to give you four biblical responses to help you navigate this time. Because here's what's true about you and here's what's true about me. Your response to this coronavirus, this COVID-19, this whole pandemic that's going on, your response will be, mark my words, your story. Because at some point, and we don't know how long, but at some point this is going to end. This will not last forever. It could be another month. It could be another two months. Hey, we may be in for like, you know, a couple of sessions of this thing. Like next fall and then next spring. Like we don't, we don't know. But at some point, at some point, experts are saying like maybe around 18 months, there'll be a vaccine and, and we're going to be able to handle this thing. And it'll be over. And you will have a story to tell. And my question is this. What will your story be? Oh, I caved into fear and, and I, I hunkered down and I just, you know, I didn't do anything and I didn't read anything and I didn't, I didn't learn anything and I didn't take any, co- and I just, I just watched a lot of Netflix. No, no. Don't let that be your story. I'm telling you, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, some little kid, some grandson of yours, some granddaughter of yours is going to say, hey, grandpa, grandma, hey, mom, hey, dad, what did you do during the time of the coronavirus? And you're going to have to say something. You're going to have to share some sort of story. What will it be? Here's what I want my story to be. It's real simple. Man, I, here guys, during that time, I just wanted to be a massive source of encouragement to everybody I ran into. 
I wanted to lift their spirits. I tried to put out as many positive ideas and sermons that I possibly could to get people through that time. We tried to meet practical needs like food and and masks, and we just did everything that we possibly could to make it easier for folks. That's the story that I want to tell. Now, whether or not I'll be able to tell that, that, that's that's unknown yet. But that's the story I want to tell. What will your story be? I hope it'll be something positive. During that time, oh, I maximized it. I blessed others. I was personally responsible, did my part, didn't spread the disease, and I most certainly did not give in to fear. Now let me go back to something I said earlier. This is a time when people are open to spiritual things. When when things are uncertain, when things are out of place, when life is disrupted, and people are looking for hope. Maybe that's you today. I want to go back to something that Jesus said about himself. He said, I didn't come into this world to be served, but to serve. And to give my life as a key word, ready? A ransom for many. And then he did that. He stretched out his arms And he died on a cross and he gave his life as a ransom payment. What does that mean, ransom payment? Well, that's language that's used for for people who get kidnapped. You know, there's there's a person who gets kidnapped and then someone, they demand a ransom payment. If you pay $2 million, I'll give you this person back. Like, In a a sense, we all have been kidnapped by the enemy and we're being held captive by sin. And Jesus comes along and he says, you know what I've done? I've paid the ransom payment. I gave my life. I died on the cross to set you free from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin. And you can be forgiven. You can have a relationship with my heavenly father. I've paid the bill. I died and rose again to conquer sin and death for you. Oh, what a message. What hope, what joy, what peace can come from knowing this God who's with you in the valley of the shadow of death, who says, I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. Do you know him? If you don't know him, I'm gonna give you a chance to step into a relationship right now. I'm not giving you the chance he is. This moment is designed for you, wherever you're sitting, in a car, in an office, at your house, wherever you are. This moment right here is designed for you. God wants to know you and he made it possible for you to step into a relationship with him. Will you trust him? Will you reach out to him in faith and tell tell him, Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you paid the ransom payment to set me free. Will you forgive my sins? Will you be my savior? Will, Will you be my God? If that's what you'd like to do right now, I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of trust. And in this moment right now, you can begin a relationship with God. If you feel led to right there in your seat, wherever you are, just go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm gonna give you a simple prayer. It's a prayer you can repeat. Write to God. And and there's nothing special about the words. It's, It's your faith behind the words. If you believe in your heart, that God sent Christ to die on the cross and he came back to life, you will be saved right now. Reach out, say this to him, dear Jesus, I believe 
I believe you died for me. For my sins. I believe you paid the penalty so I can be forgiven. Thank you. I ask you to wash me, cleanse me from all my sin, all my shame, all my guilt. Make me your child. I place my faith, however small it is, in you. I trust you today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I can assure you that the folks at Emmanuel are celebrating in their house and I'm gonna celebrate with them for you. Amen. The Bible tells us, it says, when one person, when one person turns from their sin to God, there is rejoicing in heaven. There is a party in heaven because you have come home to God. You have begun a relationship with Jesus Christ. And our church loves when that happens. In fact, I think I've already mentioned this, 51 people in the last two weeks have put their faith in Christ. And now you just did as well. And what we would love to do is put a gift in your hands. We call it a little saved box if you trusted Christ. It's just a little gift from us to you. It's like a little shoe box. Inside of this box, there is a Bible, a New Testament to help you get started reading the scriptures. There's a little uh, guidance in there on how to take your next steps in faith and how to get in a small group and how to be baptized. And there's also a little cup in here from us to you so you can enjoy a nice hot, a nice hot cup of coffee. We love coffee around here. Um, so if you trusted Christ, if you put your faith in Jesus, let us know there in the comments and we will send one of these boxes to you in the mail. God is good. We are living in uncertain times, unprecedented times. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of, a lot of hurt. There's a lot of confusion. But we have a God that we can trust. And as your pastor, over these next couple weeks and months, however long this goes, I'm gonna do my very, very best to try to guide us and lead us through this time. God is not surprised. He's not by this. He's not taken back. He's not confused. He's not going, oh no, what are we going to do now? He's not. God is sovereign. God is in control. And he has a plan. And he's going to lead all of us through this. And we're going to get through it together. Will you pray with me? Father, when things are out of control, when they seem to be chaotic, when there's a lot of confusion, we can put our trust in you. You are our rock. You are our refuge. You are our safe place. You are our protector. You are our guide. And we look to you. You promise us that when we lay our request before you, in trust and in faith, the peace which surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds. And so we ask for that peace as we trust you, as we lay our burdens down before you because you care for us. Guard our hearts from fear. Give us the strength to reach out and think for others. And give us the wisdom to maximize this time. 
Father, as we close today, I do want to pray specifically for those who are pulling double time, those fighting the virus, those in the, in the hospitals, helping patients, those helping doctors, nurses, everyone involved, parents with children at home, trying to work and raise kids at the same time. All of those essential workers, God, that are engaged more than they ever have been before. I pray for strength. I pray for protection. I pray for wisdom. I pray for courage as they help every single person that comes across their path. Bless them, Lord. Protect them. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to hand things off right now to Rachel Long. She is going to lead you into a further discussion. God bless you. Hey, invite someone next week to the link to to follow and to watch. We'll see you next week.